Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. All right, guys, welcome back for another episode here at Rangers Review. Myself, alongside Stat Boy Steven, you guys know the drill by now. Our first episode now in the offseason after the Rangers just fell short of playoffs, as we know. And what what can I say? There are a lot of things that we need to discuss. We've been away for a couple weeks. I uh, took a little bit of a break given the offseason, but also a lot of things have been going on. So before I go any further, Steven, how are you today, buddy? And I'm going to kind of let you run with what has transpired the past couple weeks since we last recorded. Yeah, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. Uh, our last recording, I think, was three weeks ago. Yeah, two and a half, three um, weeks ago, easily. It was right after the uh, the Rangers fired David Quinn. Yep. Yeah. Um, and as you know, my girlfriend was visiting at the time. She was sitting on the couch, and uh, she had to be quiet for an hour, which was difficult, but uh, <laughs> she managed. Um, yeah, she was quarantining for a couple of days after she arrived in Austria, and... Uh, yeah, it was also my last two weeks in Austria at the time. Uh, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. Uh, accepted a new job with a different company. They relocated me to Dublin in Ireland, where I am right now. Um, I arrived here last Monday. Uh, I'm in a temporary apartment. Everything is still new. I'm still trying to figure out everything, you know, registering with the government, opening up a bank account, finding a permanent apartment. Uh, weeks in Austria were, were fun. Um, proposed to my girlfriend. She said yes. So uh, I guess that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and yeah, you know, it's been uh, Rangers decided to uh, to not do anything drastic the last two weeks. Um, so I could enjoy the time together a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, the last couple of days, you know, we've had the draft lottery and uh, Nils Lundqvist finally signing, so we'll, we'll dive into that now. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, we have a lot to talk about, but again, congratulations to you and now your fiance. I wish you two nothing but the best. Two of the biggest Rangers fans I've ever even heard of. And, you know, I haven't even met you guys in person, but I know how passionate you two are. So I'm very happy for you both. Um, and I'm I'm excited now to get into today's episode because a lot has kind of transpired with the Rangers. You know, slowly but surely, it's kind of been a build up the past couple of weeks with different things going on. Some of them really went under the radar where you didn't really notice until someone pointed out, and others were very blatantly obvious. So I think now it's a great segue. Let's talk about the Rangers and their latest regarding their head coaching search because, as we know, there was some. Belief when David Quinn was fired, when Jacques Martin, basically everyone except for Ben Waller, because of course that man isn't going anywhere. He's the goaltending guru. There was the that maybe maybe the Rangers would be trying to address the head coaching position fairly quick as they got an interview with Gerard Gallant before um, the tournament happened with him. I'm who is he coaching again for the tournament? Um, do you recall? Canada. I'm trying to think. Canada. Canada? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know that he was coaching for Canada, and they got the interview right before that happened. Um, the Rangers have now interviewed Rick Tockett, the former head coach, and, of course, um, alumni for the NHL, that being with the Arizona Coyotes, and they interviewed him twice already. Tockett has interviewed not just with the Rangers twice. He's also interviewed with, I believe, the uh, with also the Seattle Kraken twice, and there's one other team that he's uh, interviewed with twice. So uh, three teams already. He's in- interviewed a total of six times. And my stance on Tockett, uh, we talked about it briefly before. I don't love the idea of bringing Rick Tockett in. I see the upsides with him, knowing that he is a guy that has been helping develop young talent. It's something he's accustomed to during his time with the Arizona Coyotes, but it's still not something that I'm in love with, given maybe some other options out there. So what's your mm-hmm. initial stance on Rick Tockett? Do you think he's in favor of coming to the Rangers, or do you like some other guys out there thinking that they have a well, better shot still? Yeah, I'm going to say something that might be a little bit controversial, but I'll explain why I feel this way. Um, I see a lot of Ranger fans saying we need to get a head coach who has won a cup before because we need a coach who knows what it takes to get there, which I can understand. You know, it's a good reasoning when you look for a coach. But um, I think, and this is more of a hypothetical anyway, but you're looking for a coach who is going to win a cup with you, not a coach who has won a cup already with a different team. How many coaches have won a Stanley Cup with different teams? I'm pretty sure there's not that many. No, it's Lynn. 
I know Peter Laviolette made the Stanley Cup final with three teams, the Carolina Hurricanes in 2006 when he won it, yep. the Flyers in 2010, and the Predators in 2017? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think it was Sharks in 2016 and Predators 2017. So that's a coach who has made the Stanley Cup final three times. How many coaches have made the Stanley Cup final four times? What are the odds that he's going to do it again? So I don't think the the answer, like like the one answer is go find that coach who has won it before. Um, like John Tortorella. Like John Tortorella has won a cup with Tampa Bay, but yeah. is he going to win another cup? I don't know. Um, Rick Tockett, I don't know if he's the right candidate. He's one of the candidates, of course. Um he, he works well with young players, and that's the stuff you look for. But maybe after the David Quinn era, they are looking for something else. Um, because David Quinn's big appeal was that he would work well together with young players. And, yeah, I think uh, opinions on that vary uh, heavily within the Rangers fan base. Yes. Um, and the, the Rangers have no – they don't have to hire a coach right now. You know, no. they, can take, they can take their time. There are other coaches that will become available once the playoffs are over. Um, a name that has been linked to the Rangers is Rod Brindamore of the Carolina Hurricanes, who has really done well with a young team in Carolina. He is probably a good candidate for the Rangers to pursue. He's, Gerard Gallant is probably... I just want yeah, to say, yeah. not to cut you off, it, it's, that is a candidate where that's a pipe dream. I think we could all agree right now. <laughs> yes, yes. And um, what the Rangers need to do is they need to find their version of Joel Quenville. The Chicago Blackhawks won three, cu- three cups with Joel Quenville as their head coach. That's They need to find their Joel Quenville. Don't go out there and hire Joel Quenville or Peter LaViolette or, or Mike Sullivan and think that, oh, they've won a cup before, so they can do it again. Because that's not really a reasoning that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but the Rangers, like I said, the Rangers have time. There will be other coaches available. Um, and, yeah, this will be the first big task for Chris Drury as the new general manager. I don't know who's going to be the new head coach, but Gerard Galland and Rick Tockett are the two that have been mentioned the most um in in connection with the rangers so you'd have to think that once gerard galland comes back from latvia from the world championships that he's going to get his second interview and and maybe that's it maybe gerard galland is their number one target and he they're going to hire him anyway which if you look at galland there are some pros and cons for me um he works well with young players he did it in florida um he really got the most out of the team in Vegas their first year after they, they joined the league. But there are also a couple of red flags for me. Um, the fact that he was fired by uh, – in Florida, he was fired in such a weird way. You know, they they he had to call his own taxi to leave the arena with his bag. The, the general manager was sending him texts on what line changes to make mid-game. It was such a weird situation. But then in Vegas, he got fired when they were top of the division after getting to the second round the, pre- the previous season and going to the Stanley Cup final in his first season. So it wasn't like he wasn't performing in Vegas. And it makes me wonder, is there something maybe behind the scenes that that made them move on from Gerard Gallant? I don't know. Um, but then again, it, it could be something that's not a, a red flag for the Rangers. Maybe it's something... He worked on maybe it's something the Rangers don't consider an issue, so we'll see. But I think Gallant is is the number one uh, target, unless a better candidate becomes available. And time will tell if better candidates become available, because that usually happens when teams are eliminated. And the the one coach that's still active in the playoffs that I would love to see behind the Rangers bench is Rob Brindamore. Okay. So a lot to unravel there. I want to start off with Gerard Gallant again because that was a great point. I, I honestly I completely forgot about what happened during his time with Florida and how it ended, and how much are you going to blame that on Gallant versus a guy like their GM and talent at the time? I'm not sure. You know, I don't know the details about that. Mm-hmm. I would honestly have to do my due diligence. So I apologize for the lack of info there. But regarding Vegas, it was interesting because if my memory's not mistaken, Vegas was off to a, a slow start that season when they parted ways with Gallant. 
They weren't having a great start to the year, but they weren't abysmal either. It was a fairly surprising move. And then to bring in DeBoer, of course, formerly from the Sharks. And to see DeBoer thriving with Vegas too, it does make you wonder, what is the main thing about Gerard Gallant that is causing issues with him not having longevity with whatever club he's coaching? That's a great question. And it could be the reason why maybe the Rangers don't land Gallant in the end. And if they do, I'm sure it's something that they will be addressing sooner than later. So now I want to talk about uh, you know, you're talking about guys where, you know, maybe they're not unveiled yet. Maybe there are, got, there are guys that are still going to be fired this offseason, possibly, depending on playoffs and other things. And if there's one guy that stands out to me, and you mentioned him, and I want to know more of your stance on him because it doesn't seem like you're in favor, is Mike Sullivan. Now, Mike Sullivan, yes, he does have the track record of winning back-to-back Stanley Cups, but that's not so much why I'm in favor of Mike Sullivan. Mike Sullivan, he has a familiarity with the Rangers organization, as we know, being a former assistant before he then went to the Penguins to win his back-to-back cups. He's been a very respectable coach in the league, and I've honestly been quite a fan of his, really, since he started with the Penguins. He hasn't been perfect at all. No coach is perfect. But I think if there's one guy that I'm keeping an eye out that maybe Chris Drury is too, that we don't necessarily know about because we're not seeing their reports, could be a guy like Mike Sullivan should he depart with the Penguins this offseason. There's un- there's uncertainty there right now with another year where they have a first-round exit. What are they going to do? Are they going to finally start to get in a retool slash rebuild? And that's directly going to impact Mike Sullivan, I think we can all agree. And, you know, every coach has a shelf life, and it seems like Mike Sullivan's shelf life is quickly becoming – towards the end now with the Penguins. You know, there's been Penguins fans I've seen over the past year or two that have really questioned Mike Sullivan. There's a lot of others that love him because he can really make something out of nothing with all the injuries that they've had, you know, say uh, last year as well. You know, he continues to make this team not just playoff caliber, but one of the better teams in the league. Um, Playoffs has been a different story lately, but Mike Sullivan, in my mind, is probably, if he becomes available, he's undoubtedly my favorite pick outside of guys like Gerard Gallant and even Rick Tockett. And I think when you look at Rick Tockett, yes, he has that familiarity with younger players. Um, My concern with him is more so of a John Tortorella factor, just in the sense of he is very defensively minded. And is that more so because of his time with the Yotes not really having a payroll and not being able to afford or really properly develop these guys into making the offense as balanced as their defense is? Or is it a situation where he is just normally defense first and it could have a slight impact on the offense? If we look at Tortorella in previous years, there's been a lot of similarities. They've been two of the top teams in the league defensively, but offensively they've been abysmal. So how much are you blaming the organization there versus the coaching? I think those are things that they should be weighing too, which I'm I, obviously they're doing. There's no doubting that. But yeah. Mike Sullivan, I want to know your thoughts on him. And then before I ask that, I just want to say on Rob Brittimore, again, he's a pipe dream pick. He's phenomenal. Do I think there's any real possibility of that happening? No, I don't. I think you'd have to slap my face and call me silly to say that's going to happen. If it does, then phenomenal. I think that'd be great. But for a guy that very well could take the Carolina Hurricanes on a deep run this year, again, again, they're in a series with Tampa, so we'll see how that unfolds. But so he's a phenomenal coach, and he is homegrown with Carolina during his time as a player. So would he really be willing to part ways with Carolina given the direction they're currently in, which is only upwards with their young talent and in a win now stage just for the money. Brendan Moore's made money in his career. I don't think he's concerned about making more money to go to a big apple in the Rangers. You know, I, there would be a lot of heavy swaying there. So let me know your thoughts on that a little bit further, but mainly Mike Sullivan, if you're maybe okay. more for or more against See, it. I have nothing against Mike Sullivan as a coach, as a coaching option for the Rangers. Uh, I did read somewhere that he's returning next season with the Penguins, so he okay. might not be available. But what I meant when I brought up Mike Sullivan before is not that I don't want Mike Sullivan as a coach. I just don't think that the reason should be he has won two cups in Pittsburgh, so he's going to be successful with the Rangers because that's Absolutely. not that that doesn't make make any sense. They they won that cup because those two cups because they had a healthy Crosby and Malkin and Kessel. And uh, Jake Gensel played out of his mind those two postseasons. Uh, on defense, they were really good. They it was they had Matt Murray who played like Dominic Hasek those two postseasons. It's ridiculous. Uh, he has had his success, but I would never hire a coach for that reason. I would never hire a coach and say. This is my my guy because he has won a cup before. That's that reasoning doesn't make sense to me. No. Um, regarding Brindamore, I don't know if he wants to come to New York. I think a lot of New Yorkers and look, Ranger fans might not like what I'm going to say now, but 
I know a lot of New Yorkers think that New York City is like the destination for everyone. And everybody wants to live in New York City. And, you know, it's like it's like the, 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 the capital of the world and this and that. Truth is, not everybody has that dream to live and work in New York City. And especially when it comes to sports, you know, there are tons of players and coaches who opt to go somewhere else because they have ties elsewhere. Um, so I don't think necessarily that the appeal to coach and live in New York City will be enough for Brindamore, but who knows? Uh, we don't know if he will be available. There was news about him signing an extension, but that was later denied. So he is still out there until he signs that extension in Carolina. Uh, if and I'm I Brindamore, I would stay in Carolina. You have that young core that you've worked with for years. You know, you've... You've slowly made your way up. And we know the Carolina Hurricanes. The Carolina Hurricanes have been awful for a decade. Yep. You know, in the salary cap era, the Carolina Hurricanes make the playoffs once every eight years, and then they go to the conference final or win it all. That was basically the Hurricanes for, for two decades. Now, the last couple of years, that team is finally coming together. You have that top line with Aho, Terovainen, and, and Sveshnikov. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, that's that's one of my favorite lines in hockey. On defense, you have you have Slavin, uh, Pesci, Hamilton. They have exactly. probably the best the best defense in the league, the deepest defense in the league. Jacob Slavin uh, is the Lady Bean finalist today at the time of recording this. So yeah. there you go. See, so you guys know I talked yeah. about him before we even really started the podcast. I'm a huge Jacob Slavin fan, one of the most underrated defensemen in the league and one of the best defensemen in the league, no doubt. And one, and one of the best contracts in the league together with McKinnon. Oh, my God. Yeah, they have so many bargain deals in Carolina. That's yeah. the thing. Like They're really taking advantage of what they currently have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and they, they've done it really smart. You know, The way they, they landed Tara Vinen from the Chicago Blackhawks a couple of years yeah. ago was to and take a Bickle deal, correct? It was, I, I think it was Bickle or Boland, one of the two. I think it was, I, it was, it was definitely Stu Bickle, I think. Yeah, because yeah. the contract. No, no, no. Br Brian Bickle, not Stu Bickle. Oh, 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 you're you're right. I'm thinking of the wrong Bickle. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, Brian Bickle, they took him up from, from Chicago because they had cap issues. And the the price for taking on that bad contract was Tevu Teravainen, who's now their top line winger. It's, it's, that's how you build. And I wish the Rangers did this a little bit more during their rebuild, but. It is what it is. Um, yeah, Brindamore, if I'm Brindamore, I'll probably stay in Carolina, but you never know. You, you don't know what his goals are. You don't know how persuasive Chris Drury can be. Um, and if if living and working in Manhattan is not going to uh, convince a coach, then maybe the prospect of you know working with Kako and Lafreniere and Panarin and Fox and and basically this entire young core, you know, it, that, that could be appealing to coaches. So we'll see. Um, I'll tell you this, though. If, if, if the Carolina Hurricanes have a decent goalie in that, they probably win the cup this year. They're, they're struggling against Tampa now. But I think Carolina has a better team than Tampa. The only, only place where Tampa is better is in net. Yeah. And, that, and that's a great point. And we're going to share our brief thoughts on the playoffs as we get further in the podcast. But, you know, it, when you look at the whole Brennamore situation, just to wrap up the head coaching discussion for this week, it's going to be it's going to be very intriguing to see how Drury handles things. And truly, if he rushes things or maybe he goes all the way until maybe we get into midsummer and then he comes to a decision like there. We don't know the timetable yet. It could happen as soon as tomorrow, which I doubt it could happen a week, a month from now. Who knows? But I'm excited for it because I. There's one thing that I always enjoy about being a sports fan and with the Rangers and knowing that, yes, are there a lot of concerns possibly with how drastically they change ship? Yes, absolutely. But it's always enticing having that uncertainty where, yes, things could either go terribly wrong or they could go terribly right. And it all kind of starts with the head coach down. So I'm looking forward to it. I know you are too, Stephen. But I think that was a great segue to stay on the topic of guys that Chris Drury has um, fired. And now let's talk about a guy that you have a strong familiarity with, that being a head European scout for the Rangers, former head scout, now in Nikolai Bobrov. So if you guys don't know, Bobrov has been the um, head of European scouting since around the 2015 season for the Rangers and was relieved of his duties the past week, week and a half or so now. So, Stephen, I know that you had a good familiarity with him. I know that you met him. You've interacted with him plenty. Um, and we've spoken fairly 
glowingly about him over the past year, year and a half. So was this a shock to you when this took place? Do you have an idea as to why this happened? Or do you think this is more so of just simply cleaning house because they want Chris Drury to truly pick his own group now under him? Yeah, I think it's the latter. I don't think this was performance-based. Uh, simply because you cannot judge the draft picks that have been made from Europe uh, under Bobrov. Bobrov joined the team in 2015 or 2016. So best case scenario, the 2016 draft is the earliest you can you can judge him. And if you look at the 2016 draft, they didn't have a first round pick or a second round pick. Um, and the only player they got from Europe that year was in the fourth round pick, Tormo Ryunanen, who is a fringe NHL are now five years later. Defensemen take long, longer to develop, so that's fine. Um, if you look at the other drafts, 2017, and now we're already getting to a draft four years ago, most players who go to college for four years have not even signed their contracts yet from that draft. So just to put into perspective how fresh that draft still is. Of course, Lias Anderson, seventh overall, is is a miss. You know, let, let's, let's not waste any more time talking about it you know they they drafted him it didn't work out um so whether that's on the drafting or on the development i'm not going to get into that but if you look at the rest of that draft class philip hedel 21st overall was a big surprise he was a bigger reach than leas anderson at seven uh, hedel was ranked anywhere from 40th until 65th so getting him at 21 was a big surprise but he turns out to be a top 10 pick so far in the draft class. So that's a good pick. And then the rest of the draft class, yeah, you don't have another pick until fourth of, uh, until the fourth round where you get Brandon Crawley. The best European player drafted after that was the Swedish defenseman Sebastian Aho, not to be confused with the Finnish center Sebastian Aho. Yeah, this is the Islander defenseman Sebastian Aho. Islander's defenseman Sebastian Aho. Uh, I think he played 25 NHL games. So worst case scenario, you passed on a guy who at the time of his draft was already older. He was 19 or 20 years old because he went undrafted in previous years. So are you going to blame Bobrov for not drafting a 19 or 20-year-old Swedish defenseman in the fourth round that nobody even heard of? Jesper Brod, who was a sixth-round pick um, in, uh, in, in, 20, in 2016 uh, or 2017, I think. Uh, it's it's so difficult to to look at these drafts a couple of years later and go oh yeah we should have picked this guy when they're only drafted in the sixth round you know if if it really was that obvious of a good pick why did thirty teams pass on him at least five times exactly um, and then you get to the twenty eighteen draft um, oh sorry twenty seventeen draft we had some European players in the later rounds like. Dominic Lakatos, Patrick Virta, uh, older players, sixth-round pick, seventh-round pick. I'm not going to lose sleep over that. Uh, 2018, first round, you get Kravtsov, ninth overall, which solid. I think is solid. You know, that was talk about Oliver Wallstrom, but is he really that much better than Vitali Kravtsov at this point? I, I will. I wouldn't. I wouldn't agree with that notion. I, I don't know. I, he made the NHL a little bit earlier, but that was a contract situation. That wasn't really because he's better. It's just because he was loaned out to Sweden whereas Kravtsov was loaned to Russia for the entire season. But you get Niels Lundqvist, who we'll touch on in a second. He signed his entry-level contract now. Um, and then Laurie Payuniemi in the fifth round is a good pick. Yes. Simon Snowberg in the sixth round, he's 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 still two years away from, from having to sign him because he's in college now. Uh, Jakob Ragnarsson in the third round, yeah, you can maybe argue that that was a bad pick. And Olaf Lindbaum in the second round, but is a goalie – Goalies are always drafted because of Benoit Allaire, right? We've we've been over this. People say this all the time. Benoit Allaire likes this guy. That's why they drafted. So I don't think that's on Bobrov either. Anyway, then you get to the 2019 draft. That's only two years ago. I'm not even going to get into that. Looking at what the Rangers did draft-wise with Europe, I think they did uh, a good enough job for Bobrov to, to keep his job. But I think Drury just wants to have his own people in that position, which is fine. You know, this is what happens when management takes over. When there's a change in management, you will see that, like you say, they clean house. And you're going to see the same thing in Pittsburgh. You know, they have a new president, a new general manager. There are going to be some changes there. Um, I think Bobrov is fine. He'll he'll get another job with a different team. 
Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But the last thing I want to say about Bobrov is that there were a lot of picks from Europe the last couple of years. That wasn't really Bobrov's fault. That was because the Rangers just did not have a director of North American scouting. They didn't have any WHL scouts. They overhauled their entire junior scouting. Um, before they drafted Matthew Robertson, the last time they drafted a, a, a player from major juniors in the first or second round was Dylan Makora. So for yeah. nine years, they didn't draft a junior player in the first or second round. Oh, sorry, Ryan Grob. So Ryan Grob. Yes, then, I was thinking Ryan Grob. Yeah, yeah. No, Ryan you're, Grob, you're exactly and, right though. And, and then Dylan McElrath. So that's more on the Rangers not having the system in place that they relied so heavily on the European scouts. But those European scouts also got us uh, Alex Georgiev as a free agent from TPS in Turku. Absolutely. So, like I said, he, he got fired because – or he got dismissed because they – I think Drury just wants his own people in, in those positions, which is fine. Uh, I think Bobrov did a good enough job um, with what he was given. Uh, it's important to look at what picks were used. If you if you look at a fourth-round pick, you cannot really expect the same thing you, you expect from a first-round pick. So the only bad selection I can, I can point out is Lias Anderson, who we all knew was, you know, that was a bad pick in 2017. But every team has bad picks. If you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, everybody always raves about the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? Braden Point and Anthony Cirelli and Andre Pallat, right? That's what they always say. They I already know drafted, what you're going to say. They also Yo. drafted Slater Kukuk and Brett Connolly in the top 10. Nobody <laughs> brings that up. Yep. And I'll, you I'll go it. even further. If the Tampa Bay Lightning scouts – knew that Kucherov was going to be this good. Why did they not draft him in the first round in 2011? They drafted Nemesnikov in the first round. Yep. So scouting is not is not really a sure thing. You know, it's, it's a lot of gut feeling. Um, I don't think the Rangers are bad at scouting. Uh, gun to my head, the worst team is scouting in the NHL is the Colorado Avalanche, which sounds weird, but I'll explain why. The Colorado Avalanche have not drafted a player outside of the top 10 who has played 100 games for them since 2009 in Tyson Berry. Mm, the only point. players they've drafted since Tyson Berry who have been mainstays on their team were all top 10 picks. McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen, Makar. They, they just don't know how to draft outside of the surefire picks. So if you want to ask me which team is the worst at scouting, it's probably the Colorado Avalanche. They're great at trading, yeah. though. Yeah, exactly. You know, maybe they're not a strong suit when it comes to their scouting, but by God, they know how to run an organization now, right? You know, they're oh, going to no, no. be pushing I mean, for the cup. <laughs> you need a little bit of both, or you need to be really good at one of the two. And Colorado is really good at the second part. So. Yeah, and, they don't, and, and it's clear that they haven't really overthought those top 10 picks, which is at least good because, you know, there are definitely organizations out there in years past where go completely outlandish when there's a clear census mm. of who you should draft at this point within the top 10 for the most part, you know, Rondeman is a great pick at 10th overall. Oh, I know. Yeah. Miko's lighting it up as we speak right now. He's single-handedly dominating the Vegas Golden Knights. It's, it's a pleasure yeah. to watch though. Nothing against Vegas. I just, Miko's yeah. a stud and it's, it is coincidental enough because Alexi Lafreniere has openly said he models his game in similarity to Miko Rantanen, and he's been compared to Miko Rantanen. He doesn't have the same size, but you do see a lot of similarities in his game, which should be very enticing for any Rangers fans mm -hmm. watching that Avalanche Vegas series right now. But now, and, and, oh, go ahead. Quickly on Rantanen, if you want to compare him to Lafreniere, do me a favor, go to his Elite Prospect page and look up his numbers the first year after he was drafted and then the second year and then the third year, it shows you that you need to be a little patient with players sometimes. Uh, last thing I'll say about Bobrov is, um, you know, I met him a few times, so I'm not completely, uh, I'm a little bit biased, you know, he's a really nice guy. He always takes the time to talk to me, but I think he did a good enough job to keep his job. Uh, I think he'll, he'll find another team that's interested in him. And the Rangers, they still, still have their scouts in Europe, so who knows what they're going to do in the draft. 
Yeah. They could no, still very right. well go with a European player in the draft. And I think this is a great segue now to talk about the draft because, as we know, just over the past couple of days at the time recording this, we had ourselves a 2021 NHL draft lottery. And so far, and I know you tweeted this too, which I thought was funny. It's like Chris Drury, first time as GM, he does not get himself a lottery pick versus uh, Mr. Um, uh, why am yeah, I blanking? Gordon. Gordon, who won, you know, the past two lottos. So makes you wonder who's really the better GM here. Uh, we're all just, just, just to be sure, just so everyone's aware, that's a joke. That's, that's yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not simply criticizing Drury for not winning a lottery with a 1% chance. Yeah, exactly. And the NHL, as we know, put in a different format this year when it came to the NHL draft lottery. So the odds were even further, not in necessarily in the Rangers favor. 1%. I'm not losing any sleep over it. I did not expect them to even win. It would have been cool, of course, but I feel like we've been spoiled enough the past couple of years where we can handle dealing with the 15th and a draft, no less where it's not nearly as star studded like it's been, especially in last year's drafting, even to an extent the year before that with Kako. Mm-hmm. So no problem whatsoever, but the Rangers are drafting 15th this year. And I will openly say, I have not been deep diving uh, uh, a lot of the prospects. Like I know I should be like I did the past couple of years drafts, given my schedule. And I plan on doing that as we lead up to the draft, but there's five players. I just have listed in front of me. Some of them look like they're probably not going to get all the way to 15th. Some of them are a lot more realistic too. And they're mainly set. I have one left winner in here, however, because there's Brennan um, Offman, and I pronounce and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing his name. Um, coming from the OHL, and a lot of different mock drafts that I've seen has been predicted to go to the Rangers at 15th. The left winger um, looks like he has a very strong two-way game, but then when you look at the centers, I have a bunch of guys listed. There's a lot of centers that can go in a wide variety of places in this year's draft from the first and second round. Uh, Mason uh, McTavish is the first one that stands out to me. He's probably not going to land at 15th, but he's definitely a guy that if you can get him there, I'd say you do it. Um, Cole um, Cole uh, Selling. Am I saying his wrong, name wrong? Cole Selling. Um, yes. Um, for the USHL, he's another one. Zachary Bulldog from the QMJHL, if you're trying to get that French-Canadian type connection with a guy like Alexi Lafreniere, possibly. And then if you want to go more of the Liga side of things and maybe favor a guy like Capocaco, there's Atu Ratty. And I want to know your thoughts on all these guys, if you have any background on them, and if any of them seem like that they are more of a uh, feasible pick than others, than what I've listed. Okay, shoot me a name and I'll, and I'll respond then. Okay. Because I already forgot half the names you just mentioned. Okay, okay. Well, let's just go. One. Do you, do you have a decent background with with the five that I discussed? What do you say? Um. Yeah. The first one, Othman, right? Uh, I haven't really yeah. seen much of him. Um. But the other four, I've 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 looked into. Yes. Okay. Okay. So you know, Brennan, we'll put him aside because again, the Rangers' biggest need, as we know, even even in a scenario where they land Jack Eichel, which is feeling slimmer by the day in the offseason, they probably need to prioritize centers in this draft. I think we could agree. Um, so let's start from Mason um, uh, McTavish because he's a guy that is viewed that could easily be going in the top ten in the draft, could be dropping out of the top ten. There's a lot of. Um, uh, odds are either in favor or against the Rangers, depending on which uh, type of mock-up you're looking at. So what would you initially say about Mason and his game, if at all, and the likelihood of him possibly landing with the Rangers? Yeah. Um, I think he's going to be gone by the time the Rangers pick. Um, and that, I, I, I have that feeling too. I think McTavish is, 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 a, is a popular guy in this draft, and one of the teams is going to go for him. But if somehow the Rangers do land him at 15 – um, it's an interesting situation with him. Uh, I think he played in the OHL for Peterborough. Yes. Um, same team as Liam Kirk from the UK. Um, and I think this last very season, exciting, my ad. Liam Kirk. He's he's a very exciting player. Yes, yes. Uh, I think this past season he played in Switzerland, though. Uh, there were, yes, there were a did. couple of guys who moved to uh, to Europe to play some uh, – some actual hockey instead of not sitting out uh, sitting out the entire season in the OHL. Uh, Brent Clark played in Slovakia, which I think was a weird choice. Uh, yes. Mason McTavish, I think, played in Switzerland. Um, he did, and he had himself 11 points in 13 games uh, yeah. playing in Switzerland. Um, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's good production. Um, but it's um, – I don't think he played in at, like, the, the highest level in, in Sweden. Um, no, he didn't. Was it? Was it, the, it was the Swiss SW, um, which I do not believe is the highest level there. Okay, okay. So, no, no. The, the highest level in Switzerland is the National League. 
Um, but still, it, like I said, it, getting some hockey in instead of just sitting out an entire season is always a good thing. Uh, the experience of playing overseas, I think, is a huge benefit for a young player like McTavish. Um, yeah, I think he if, if he's there, then the Rangers should go for him because, in my opinion, he's a top 10 talent. And if he's there at 15, you jump on him. Same with Braden Schneider last year. Um, when a player like that, which you have higher in the draft, when he drops to your range, you jump on it. Um, but I don't think he'll be there. And, and I have uh, the targets I have, the biggest target I have personally is uh, Fyodor Swetchkov, who plays in the, in Russia. Okay. Uh, he was, he would just move to uh, uh, Scott in St. Petersburg. Um, big, big two, uh, a big player, good two way center. Uh, reminds me a lot of Anton Lundell, actually, in the fact that he's very underrated. Um, he's the best two-way player in, in this draft class, and I think people focus too much on his defense and don't really mention his offense, which is also there. Um, well, I'm sold. I'm already sold. You, you said Anton Lundell's name. I'm enticed. That's, that's the type of player this, this organization needs in their prospect pool. You know, you have Carl Hendrickson. Uh, you have Morgan Barron. But if you can get a guy that is already a, a good two-way player at this age, that's something you go for, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, what are the what were the other names you had uh, written down there? Because um, uh, Cole Stillinger. Um, I probably I've been probably butchering yeah. his name. I apologize for USHL. He had a really strong season for USHL. As a matter of fact, forty-six points in thirty-one mm -hmm. games. 24 goals and 22 assists. He's going to yeah. be a popular pick in this first round as well. Um, the likelihood of him falling to 15th, I'm not too sure. I think that he might at least get a couple picks ahead. Um, I've seen some mocks of him possibly going to uh, a team like Calgary, for instance. So uh, what's your stance on him, if any? Yeah, I know the Rangers really like him. Um, the Rangers love bloodlines, you know. Um, and his dad, Mike Sillinger, is, is a NHL yeah. legend. Uh, I think he holds the record for uh, most teams played for or most times traded. Um, really? I didn't know I that. Think, I think so, yeah. Um, anyway, um, good center. Um, went from Medicine Hat, I think, in the WHL to the USHL this uh, this past summer. Correct. Uh, yeah. made, made the switch to U.S. hockey. Um, and, yeah, he, he played for Chicago Steel. He played for uh, the Stampede. Oh, the Stampede. Sorry, the the Sioux. The Sioux Falls Stampede. Sioux Falls Stampede. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, good center. Um, probably a little bit more offense than 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 defense. Uh, but yeah, if the Rangers are going for a center, then he, Retu, and uh, Svechkov are probably my three targets there. If if they go for a center, but who knows with this team? And they might they might go for another defenseman. Okay, well, now let's talk about former uh, Alexi Lafreniere's former teammate and Zachary Bulldog because Bulldog had another strong season this time in the uh, QMJHL. 29 points in 27 games. Uh, the year prior, he had 52 points in 55 games. Um, yeah. I'm not sure exactly how much time, if at all, he was playing with Alexi. I don't believe he was on the same line as him. But do you have any stances on Bulldog? Because, I mean, familiarity never hurts. And if the mm -hmm. Rangers are trying to look for a connection like that with Alexi possibly down the line, because obviously Bulldog, I don't expect him to be ready year one. He's a guy that I'd say is going to easily be probably two, I would assume, two to three years away. Um, I could be wrong, however. Um, maybe it's just two. So what's your stance on Bulldog? Yeah, um, good prospect, but probably not one I would target if, if it was up to me. Okay. Um, yeah, the production is there, but he doesn't really control the game the way you want a center to do. He's, he's sort of a passenger on his line uh, at times, and, and the points he gets are nice. But what you want from a guy, especially with a first-round pick, you want a guy who, who takes over entire shifts, who controls the game when he's on the ice. Um, and with him, I haven't really seen that yet. So, um that's that would be uh, one of the reasons why I would not pick him at 15 if he's there. Okay, all right. And um, last but not least, we have uh, a two ratty playing in the Liga right now. In his second pro year as an 18 year old, he had six points in 35 games this year. Um, there's clearly a lot of things enticing about a guy like him to be playing at his age in the men's league in Liga. So, what's your stance on him? And then I'm going to share a couple more thoughts on him as well because I do have a little bit more familiarity with him yeah. than some of the other prospects we've discussed. 
Yeah, he was ranked uh, top three for a long time in this draft class. Uh, he dropped a little bit the last year. Uh, very unfortunate and disappointing that he missed out on the World Juniors. Uh, his, um, yeah, I think his brother was on the World Juniors team. He was drafted by the Arizona Coyotes. Um, Aku, not Atu, but Aku is his brother. Um, yeah, playing in Liga for for a, for a kid who's 17 is is not always easy. We've seen Kako do it and Line and Barkov, but there's a reason why those guys are top three picks because they were able to dominate at in Liga at that age. Puyarvi was a fourth overall pick for that exact same reason. Um, Anton Lundell should have been a top five pick last year. I will maintain that until the day I die that he should have been a top five pick in his draft. Um, this this kid doesn't really do the same. He's struggling a little bit to adjust to the pro level, um, but the talent is there. If you want to go high upside with a first round pick, you know if you have all the other if you have all the other positions already already secured, if you have your left wingers, if you have your right wingers, if you have your defensive prospects. And you really want to go for this boom or bust prospect in the first round? He's your guy. Uh, there is, of course, the risk that he will bust. But um, you know, we hear all the time from Ranger fans how they want the Rangers to go for a boom or bust type player. When the Rangers went with Leas Anderson in 2017, that's all we heard. Yeah, yeah, I want this high upside player. Okay, if you want that, this is the guy for you. I, I think this is the exact time to kind of do a boomer bust, be quite honest with you. But I'm just looking at the options. And again, this is with me having fairly little knowledge on actually scouting these players this year. So I'm sure if you guys are watching, especially if you're watching on YouTube, let me know in the comments what your stances are on some of these prospects. But to your right, he's been viewed as a consensus top three to top five pick over the past year, year and a half. And he fell quite a bit this year. So if he does land to the Rangers at 15, I think that is the exact kind of risk you should be getting we're taking. He's a guy that can, of course, drive the play as a center into the offensive zone. Um, I've, from some reports I've seen and little clips I've seen of his game, he has been lacking some discipline during his time in the men's league down league of the past year. And those are some simple adjustments that hopefully will help him get over the edge. And again, it's I think this is a low-risk, high-reward. And for the Rangers drafting 15th and the year where the draft isn't awfully deep, Deep like it has been years past why not at this point you know I, I think that would not be a bad pick whatsoever um, I'm going to be doing more research on the uh, the Russian that you suggested uh, I'm sure that'll be in favor of him given his comparison to Antoine Liddell in some ways I love two-way centers if you say two-way I'm like say less if this guy can win a face-off too then by god you know I want him big time mm -hmm. but yeah I'm going to be doing my homework on him but yeah I, Raddy is a guy that I think if the Rangers want to get creative with boomer bust as you mentioned i'm in favor of him i don't think that he would be uh, a pick i would be upset with by any stretch of the imagination yeah but if you ask me what i would do this draft is i would trade down you would trade down okay because this is a weird year man um scouts haven't been able to travel to to europe scouts haven't been able to see games in person um there's going to be some hidden gems in the second third and fourth round this year more so than other years. So if you can find a team that's willing to trade up, trade down, accumulate some second and third round picks. That's what I would do. I mean, that's also fair. If there's any, if there's any time to trade down, not just the current state of the roster, but given the whole, you know, a pandemic kind of happened the past year. So it definitely impacted a lot of players and the ability to scout. You know, that's that's a fair point as well. Um, again, I think at the right price for everything, I'm not against that. Um, I'm very intrigued by some of the options the Rangers have at 15. But again, if you can accumulate more picks, maybe you can land guys that were assumed to go in the first round, but no, you're going to get them now in the second mm -hmm. round. Like if the Rangers play strategic like that, which I'm sure Chris Drury can and inevitably will during his time as GM, then I say go for it as well. So again, that's not something I'm against. Um, I think with saying that now, as long as it's fine with you, we shouldn't segue now into the guy that we mentioned already, that being Niels Lundqvist as he is coming to the New York Rangers. So you, if you guys don't know, Steven interacts with plenty of different prospects. He's had the privilege to interview a lot of the Ranger prospects before they sign their ELCs. It's something that he does for himself, and he also does, I believe, for um, Forever Blue Shirts, um, their blog. So 
he's done a lot of great stuff and he's had a great connection with Neil Zonquist as he's not just been connected with him on a personal level. He's been connected with his family. You know, he's done all these different things with Neil. So I know it feels like almost, you know, uh, a brother, you know, a family member that's parting away now going to the States, but at least he's coming to the Rangers. And what is your excitement for Neil's? Because as I've said all along, Niels has been one of my more favorite prospects easily. Um, he's the top prospect in the Rangers organization right now. He came off of another dominant year in the SHL. He's been one of the best defensemen the SHL has ever seen in quite some time. So what's your stance on Niels? How excited are you for him to finally be coming to the States? And do you expect him to make an immediate impact with the Rangers in the upcoming season? Well, um, uh, it feels like my son is graduating. I, yeah, I don't know <laughs> You know, I've been interacting, like you said, I've been interacting with him and, and with his family through sheer random coincidence for the last three and a half, four years. Um, I just went to a junior tournament in the Czech Republic um, and he was there and uh, met up, met his grandpa. I met his dad, who's the general manager for Sheleftia in the SHL. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's been, it's been fun ever since, you know, every time I go to a game, uh, to to meet up with him afterwards and have a quick chat and uh, you know great kid but he is probably I mean he's he's the best defensive prospect we have I I've always said that in my opinion he's better than Keandre Miller he has more upside than Keandre Miller um, he's a better overall player um, he was uh, he was voted. Um, um, defenseman a swedish defenseman of the year in the shl played for the national team like the men's national team was an alternate captain for the men's national team um they are really sad that he's leaving because he was easily their best player this season um i think he's going to make an immediate impact um if you look at adam fox two years ago nils lundquist is right there at this moment in terms of age in terms of readiness, he can walk right in. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm just curious to see what's what's going to happen. Uh, fortunately for him, he doesn't have the same pressure as Adam Fox because we already have two defensemen on the right side ahead of him. Um, but yeah, he's NHL ready. Um, he's going to jump right in, um, and and hopefully he gets some time on the power play. But Ranger fans are going to love him. And the one thing I really want to say here is don't look at his size. You know, don't look at, at the fact that he's only 5'11". Uh, this kid plays like he's 6'4". This kid plays like he's 27 years old. He, in, in the Euro Hockey Tour, he played a game against Russia, and he was playing 28 minutes in that game on defense. It's the most any defenseman has played in the history of the Euro Hockey Tour which has been going on since 1996 before Not he was a big deal or anything, Stephen. Before he was even born. So 28 minutes in one game, he was the alternate captain. He's been putting up points for the national team. In the World Championships, he was the best player on Team Sweden. Everyone's saying it. So this kid's ready. Um, and this is not like Capo Kako, who's 18 years old. This kid is turning 21 later this month or next month, so uh, July, I think. Damn puck. I just want to say, like, I know you've watched far more gameplay than I have in Niels, especially given the time zone difference and all those things. But from everything that I've seen in Niels, especially from this past season, he's so lethal. He's so elusive going into the offensive zone. He takes care of his own end without a problem. He's aggressive as well when it needs to be, but he's not doing it constantly. He's not getting himself caught at all. He does yeah. have a lot of similarities to Adam Fox in a way with how disciplined he is, but his skating is so smooth. He's a power play quarterback as well. He's deadly with that right hand shot, one timer in the left dot or on the point, however you want to utilize him. And he has that leadership mentality that you've been seeing. Again, as you mentioned, he is going ahead and basically leading the whole club as older than him without a problem. Like this is effortless. You know, you can't. You can't teach those certain, th certain things to an extent. What I mean by that is the confidence. There's some people that mm -hmm. when they become a player, whatever sport they become with, they just have that confidence from a get-go. They don't overthink anything. And that's what I see every single time I see Niels touching the puck. And I'm, I'm beyond excited for him. And I think to have him in this Rangers decor for this upcoming season, watch out NHL because you're not just getting a high-flying defenseman to back up when you already have 
are one of the best defensemen and in my opinion was the best defenseman this past season Adam Fox but you have other guys like Jacob Truba who had a monster bounce back year after I've griped on plenty over this past season his direction gained halfway through the year and beyond was Flawless. Other than his injuries, he really bounced back well. The Rangers have Ryan Lindgren really helped things on the left side. Keandre Miller had some growing pains, but overall was awfully impressive for his rookie year. The Rangers have all these pieces now. So, Debrina Niels, when you have that opening on the right side, my God, you know, it feel it really feels like the sky's the limit for a guy like him and the potential he could bring to have another Lundquist back with the Rangers organization and one that could very well be with the Rangers for a very long period of time as long yeah. as they don't consider dealing him away in a big deal. But you'd have to yeah. be it have to be something remarkable to even consider it at this point. And 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 that's that's where I stand as well. It, you don't want to trade away a player before you know what you have. Correct. So they are going to play him. I don't think he's going to get traded. But uh, um, one of the most impressive things about Niels Lundqvist as a player for me is not when he's on the ice, it's when he's on the bench. And I, I mentioned this before. When I attend games, I try to sit close to the bench. I like to observe players, how they respond to a bad shift, how they respond to their teammate having a bad shift, how they respond to their team conceding a goal. Nils Lundqvist never sits down. He always leans over the boards. He's always directing traffic. He's directing the defenseman on where to go. He anticipates the game so well, and he just – like a little general, he puts the pieces on the board when he's on when he's on the bench. He's acting like like an assistant coach almost, and that is that is super rare to see from a kid this young. What's even more impressive is that his teammates accept it too. His teammates literally. There was one game I was in Lulio for the game. They played uh, Vecchio Lakers, and there was a play where um, they were coming for a line change but their opponent had the puck behind the net and they had a quick breakout pass. So he directed his players to, to go back on the ice and they neutralized the, the breakaway in the neutral zone. And as they came to the bench for the change, they all tapped him on the shoulder for, you know, the input he gave from the bench. And that this was, in, this was in 2019. He was only 19 years old at the time or 18. No, it was 18. That was before his birthday. He was 18 years old at the time. That was, that was his first full season. And his teammates, and these are guys with NHL experience. These are guys that are 28, 29. They come up to him and they thank him for what he saw and for him directing them back onto the ice. It's 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 unreal to see that, man. It's it's I've I've never been this excited for a Rangers prospect. And I think that's saying a lot considering you are the prospect and stats guru that we see on a daily basis talking about these prospects. So Putting the bias aside, there's no doubting that Niels is expected to bring quite the impact for the Rangers. So my next question to you before we wrap up the discussion on Niels' sign is ELC is, do you fully expect him to make the Rangers roster out of the jump? And do you believe that he is going to have himself a pretty prominent rookie season? Um, um, if there are no unforeseen circumstances like injuries, yes. He is the front runner for that third position on the right side. Of course, Braden Snyder is a candidate, but he's two years younger, uh, probably needs a little seasoning in the AHL in Hartford, uh, which he'll be eligible for this, this upcoming season. So that, that's all good. Uh, Lundqvist is the number one candidate to fill that spot vacated by D'Angelo. So, yeah, I think he's going to make the team out of camp. I think he's going to play the entire season for the Rangers. And um, I think Ranger fans are going to enjoy watching him. Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited. I really am. To, to, knowing that the Rangers are going to have... Number 27 is uh, available, so that's all. That's good. Oh, perfect. There you go. I'm sorry, Mack Truck. We got to bring a new 27 in. But I want to say, though... It, what's that? It's better than Jack Johnson wearing 27, man. No, that's that's true. I, I honestly forgot about him. <laughs> but it, it's it's such a great feeling knowing that the Rangers are going to have Alexi Lafreniere, Philip Heedle, Capo Caco, Vitaly Kravtsov. Now you got guys like Niels Lundqvist coming in the reins in this line. It, it, it's basically what the Rangers have built all the way up to this point. It's all truly blossoming before our eyes, but it's it's actually blossoming and it's actually thriving. We're actually seeing yeah. development. You know, can, and they're, can, they're, we, can we mention Zach Jones quickly, who was named? Oh, absolutely. I was I was going to mention USA's, him before we came to the discussion. 
team, team USA lost to Canada today in the semifinals of the World Championships. And when a team is eliminated, they announce the top three players of that team. Zach Jones was one of the three. That's phenomenal. And we're talking about a Zach Jones playing with a lot of strong NHL players in that lap. So that's awfully impressive. Yeah. So, yeah, no, hats off to Zach. He's another guy. I'm ex- He's he's my second favorite prospect outside of Niels. Um, so knowing that Zach, he's going to be with the Rangers sooner or later is awfully enticing too. So that's enough for prospect talk, though. Uh, before we kind of wrap things up, I just want to share uh, our quick stances on the Stanley Cup playoffs because it's been entertaining. It really has been. Um, and I got to say, you know, between the Maple Leafs blowing another first round, which is just – a discussion for another day. I'm not even gonna not even gonna try to rag Leafs fans or anything. I'm just I'm not surprised. I'm just disappointed. I think that's how all Leafs fans feel at this point, um, without showing any true anger or emotion. Um, now we have the Tampa Lightning versus Carolina Hurricanes in the East. We also have the Boston Bruins versus the Islanders. At West, we got ourselves an amazing matchup between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Avalanche. I believe that whoever wins that series is going to win it all this year. And then we have the final series, and I, I'm not sure as to why I'm blanking. Who's in the final series again? Why am I blanking right now? Uh, On the you, mean, you mean the Central Division, which should be oh, named Central. Division? That's why. That's why I'm getting thrown off. Look, look, quickly on the division names. I, I never brought this up before, but how stupid is it that you have that you have East, West, North, and then not South, but Central? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Who came up with this? I, I, I don't know. The, the names are always stupid. It makes no sense. Anyway. No. Um, and the yeah, Winnipeg Jets and the Habs. I, I mentioned the Habs, but I didn't mention the series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Canadians are up 2-0 against the Jets. Surprising. Shifley suspended for four games. Interesting. Um, I think they're gonna make it. I think the Canadians are gonna are gonna make it to the to the final four. Um Boston's probably thought. gonna I had the Canadians winning the division going into this season. Yeah. So granted they didn't um, do that, but they're surprising Bru- people now. Bruins are probably gonna beat the Islanders. Um unfortunately, I think Tampa is gonna beat Carolina. I think so. As unfortunate as it look, I don't hate Tampa at all. I I, lo- I love a lot of what they've done. It's just it's bittersweet because the mm-hmm. Rangers have been on the wrong end of that in playoffs the past half decade. Yeah. Um, but the Hurricanes are so so much fun to watch. Um, I'm probably rooting for them in this series. But again, they're down two games and one right now. Boston is up two to one on the Islanders as well. And I, I think I think Boston will prevail. Even though I will say it is it is fun watching Boston versus the Islanders because. They are two of the same in a lot of ways with how they present themselves with being such a defensively minded club. Um, but the, the main X factor is always is going to be the Marchand, the Bergerons, and the Pastas. And I think that's going to help uh, Boston prevail in the end. And Carolina, they, they're phenomenal. They are absolutely phenomenal. But between not having Vasilevsky and just knowing that Tampa just came off of wanting it all, they know what it takes. And that, that experience is something that can be vital in series like this, I think that could ultimately benefit Tampa. And yet the Habs Winnipeg series, I think Winnipeg can still come back, but losing Shifley's a huge blow for them, as we know. Um, and yeah, that's kind of my stances on the matter right now. Just it's and, and Vegas and Vegas and Colorado. What's your stance on that? Because that's been whoever, so much whoever, fun. Whoever wins in the West wins the Stanley Cup this year. Yeah, Colorado's up two one in that series. Uh Vegas just got their first win off of them. Man, it just it's it that's been a high flying series, so much fun to watch. But there yeah, there was some weird goals last there some weird goals by Vegas last night. Some I know, yeah, in, in the third period. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but it, I think it, Colorado awesome will prevail. Now. I think Colorado will prevail, which you know, if Colorado I think if Colorado and Montreal win, they play each other in the uh in the next round. Um, how cool would it be if Colorado plays in their Nordiques uh, reverse retro jersey yeah. against the Talk about reigniting the rivalry before you're even in the Stanley Cup finals. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, it's weird. It's uncomfortable. I don't like it. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> but oh, this has and, been a crazy uh, year. You know, the one thing the NHL should do, uh, the first game of the next season should be the Seattle Kraken against the Montreal Canadiens. And whoever wins that game should be 
semi-officially winning the 1919 Stanley Cup because that Stanley Cup was never handed out because <laughs> of the because uh, I think it was the the Spanish flu, the pandemic. The fact that you're not hired already is baffling, Stephen. <laughs> they, should, they should have that as the first game of the season, and they should have like like sort of like a joke, but still, you know, have the 1919 Stanley Cup like as a prize for that for that for that game because that series I think was tied two two, and they never played it again. I expect nothing less from you, Stephen. That's why I like to hear though. I, that'd be cool. That that would actually be pretty. <laughs> Imagine if they did something like that. Oh my Which goodness! Means, yeah. If it's a cool idea, it, it means it's never gonna happen. Oh, absolutely. God forbid. Uh, we, we've went on our tangents about how to properly handle the league and marketing and all that good stuff. Yeah. So we're not going to, we're not going to run with it there now. There are two ways you can do it. There's the right way. And then there's the way the NHL does it. <laughs> so I think same thing could be said with Shifley gained four games and not that he wasn't necessarily deserving, but you know, it's just it, the, it, the league is so hypocritical with this and it continued as we know going into this year's playoffs. It just, it's like they, like they just have a giant wheel. It's like they just have a giant wheel that they spin. Yeah, you know, there's there's no consistency. There's no structure to it at all. Oh well, it it is what it is. But I think now to properly conclude before we get out of here, uh, I just want to ask your thoughts on what do you think is next for the New York Rangers. So we'll be recording probably in a, a week, week and a half or so uh, next time and. What do you th- do? You think anything is going to happen with the Rangers the next time we talk outside of just playoff hockey going on? Um, do you no. expect a head coach to be hired? Do you any of that, or do you think it's just going to be dead quiet the next week? Probably? I think I think it's going to be quiet for another couple of weeks until the playoffs end, and then we'll see. There will be some trades leading up to the expansion draft. Um, I don't think the Rangers are going to hire a head coach until the playoffs are over. Okay, and I think that's fair. Um, like I said, I, I, something tells me they might be waiting on some other people, but yeah, I, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you. I don't I think anything. You, I have a question for you though. Do sure. you think the Rangers should hire their head coach before the draft? Yes or no? Do you, do you feel your head coach needs to be part of that in the room? It, it all depends on how long term you're supposedly committing to the coach. I know that we went on our discussion and you've explained plenty that no Rangers coaches went more than five years for the most part, other than Elaine Vigneault. Yeah. I think that's a most big these, factor in it. I most really do. need four or five years to get to the NHL. So Exactly. And relevant, to be quite honest with you, I don't think the head coach factor matters at all as long as Drury has his scouts place. That's mm-hmm. what matters to me. You know, you got rid of Bob Rob. Okay, so, you know, how is everything going to be settled from going here on out? I think that's most important because I think that whoever the Rangers bring in now, unless it is by some grace of God, a Rod Brittamore, if you will, um, I don't think it's going to be a head coach that's going to be with the Rangers long term at all to the point where it's justifiable to have them actually having a, a, a somewhat of a say in the decision making, if at all. I'm kind of surprised that, and not that I want him gone because he probably does a good job, but I'm kind of surprised Chris Morehouse is still with the organization, uh, the director of North American Scouting, because mm-hmm. he's the son-in-law of John Davidson, who yeah. hired him. Yeah, that's, um, a good, that's a good point. So, but he was only hired a year ago, so who knows? But it's a little bit surprising that he's still there. I expected with John Davidson gone that he would leave too, but. Yeah, that we, we didn't even it. mention because last time we talked, John Davidson wasn't back with Columbus yet. So, yeah, obviously, JD is back with Columbus like he never left. Makes sense. I'm, I'm again, I know uh, I'm probably more of a JD fan maybe than you are just when it comes to the uh, president side of things. But I, I wish him nothing but the best in Columbus. I think I'm mm-hmm. happy. I was concerned that he was just going to retire from here on out. But it looks like he just gave Yarmo Kukalain in the call again and be like, you know, there's no other place I'd rather be because they knew that the only exception was the Rangers. You know, it wasn't an offense. They didn't take it the wrong way or anything. There was a mutual agreement that JD could kind of go out the way that he wanted to. Unfortunately, uh, for his sake, James Dolan had other plans. So he's back with Columbus now. We'll see how he does. I will say it was a little weird, though, watching the NHL draft lottery and seeing JD with Yarmo and then Chris yeah. Drury, you know, in the other box. It's just, ugh, it, it's, it hasn't fully kicked in yet. I, th- I can mm-hmm. honestly say that. Yeah, the weirdest thing is that they did it. Like, like getting rid of Bobrov before the draft just feels weird. Um, getting rid of your GM and president, like, 
when you, there's still games going on in the season, that was super weird too. Um, it's just it's oh, so yeah. messy. it's so messy, you know. It's it's not it, a clean it's the opposite break. of the class. Yeah, and it's it's not a clean break. It's just you know like, like they're just doing something. I know, and again, that's why we have our uncertainties with what the future holds, whether it's a good move or a bad move. I, I'm like I said, I'm excited. I love optimism. I'm a big optimistic guy. I'm all for it. Um, I'm excited knowing that the Rangers feel like they're really going to be committed and not just make sure that they make playoffs next year, but try to have somewhat of a run, um, whether that's just get exiting the first round or not. We'll see. But I'm excited. It just, again, like we said previously, thank goodness for Chris Drury. Um, he has a lot to prove. He's he's controlling everything now as GM and president. But as we said prior, it's also positive that he is kind of controlling everything because he's worked his way up. It's not like he needs to say they're breathing down his neck constantly either. Um, so I'm happy with where he's currently at, and I'm grateful that he did not take other opportunities when they arise to be a GM with fellow teams the past two years. So I, I think if the Rangers are going to go anywhere, it's obviously going to be led by Drury in the near future. And I, I'm just I'm curious what's going to be happening with him and the decisions he makes going forward because, you know, like getting rid of Jacques Martin in a lot of ways, where Jacques Martin did nothing wrong for the Rangers on paper. He made the Rangers a really sound defensive team this past year. One of the better ones on penalty kill, like he did playing times with the Penguins with not having any star stud defenseman per mm -hmm. se, you know, defensively speaking, other than Brian Dumoulin yeah. is pretty solid and John Marino. But same thing yeah. now with Bobrov, you get rid of him, but you're not doing I really don't think you're doing it for performance. I think you're just doing it for the sake of, all right, I'm sorry. We got to cut ties here. It's, it's a fresh start. It's a new day. I need to choose my guys. All right, Steven just got cut off there. Poor Wi-Fi connection. It must be a Dublin thing. I don't know. No problem, though. We're going to wrap up this episode of Rangers Review. So I hope you guys did, in fact, enjoy. If you did, please make sure to let us know in the comments below. If you're watching on YouTube, please make sure to smash that like and subscribe button, as always. And make sure to check us out and leave a review on all of our podcast platforms, whether you're checking us out on Spotify or wherever. So, as always, thank you all so much. And, Steven, is there any final thoughts you'd like to get before we get out of here? Yeah, uh, one thing I was thinking of is that it's going to be a bit weird if we hire Rick Tockett after we got rid of Jacques Martin because they worked together in uh, in Philly and they won two cups together. <laughs> Wouldn't that be so – how funny would it be if they brought him in and then they brought Jacques Martin back in because he's like, I want That's my guy. Look, uh, this is why they got rid of Jacques Martin. They want the new head coach to bring in their own guys. Yeah. Fine by me. Um, they They tried the other approach in the past with Lindy Ruff. It didn't work out. So I have no problem with the Rangers moving on from Jacques Martin for the right reasons. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that too. Again, I think Talkett is destined for Seattle given his connection with their GM and Ron Francis. I kind of prefer that to be quite honest with you too. So we'll see no, what no, the future Brenda Moore, Brenda Moore is destined for Seattle with Ron Francis. <laughs> yeah, Brenda Moore is destined for Seattle. There you go. Okay, guys, we're going to wrap up this episode. Thank you all so much for watching and listening. It means a lot. And Steven, let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers.